This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. Hey guys, sorry we're late, but we made it. Yes, we did. So it's been kind of a topic that's been touched on a lot lately that we're going to cover today mm-hmm. and and especially in the magic sphere recent issues with certain people being let go and stuff that they were struggling with uh we're going to tackle mental health and what it means to mtg finance specifically on the vendor side mm-hmm. what it looks like for us how we deal with working for you know weeks on end and what inevitably can happen from that yep so that's Basically, it's something that, you know, I, we both agree just hasn't really been talked about a lot uh, because there's a wear and tear on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, people over the last couple of weeks uh, talked about the grind of Star City circuits, the pro circuit and what it meant at the beginning, the middle and where we are currently historically. And not a lot of people have the same kind of knowledge that a handful of us vendors do within this space to actually talk about what it's like to serve those people as well. You know, people go out to these events, they need cards to play, and it's not everybody can handle it like Star City and Channel where you make an order and it's sent with the crew to the site. You know, these we've got to drive, we've got to fly to these events and serve our customers there. And this is just kind of a behind the scenes aspect to all of these events. Without players, there would be no events, but without vendors, a lot of players wouldn't be able to play in those events. I would venture a guess and say somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to 60 people walk into a Magic Fest and don't have a complete deck until they're on site after talking to vendors. At least. I mean, it's, you know, I I can't tell you how many times this past weekend at Columbus it was, do you have any Ocos for the events that they were going to plan? Or, you know, in one case, it was for Modern. Uh, he didn't have it for the main event because he just planned on picking it up there. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's the the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is like, yeah, when we're at the booth, we all we're happy. We're go lucky. But, you know, depending on the vendor, you may be working a 13, 14 hour day. Yes. And then come Monday, you're back at your nine to five. Mm-hmm. And or you're, if or you're in transit again which is yeah. not a restful situation either. No. And uh, especially, you know, I, a couple weeks ago, uh, actually back in September, uh, I myself ended up in an outpatient psychiatric facility because I had worked nine weekends straight of shows, shows, shows. Yeah. And this wore on me to the point where I just, I couldn't do it. And, you know, it's the harsh reality that like and i i don't want to make it seem like vendors have it harder than anyone else it's just something that's not discussed is the wear and tear that you know people deal with on the vendor side that you know we we get exhausted too yes uh, we burn the candle at both ends just as much as a grinder it's just a different kind of grind for us than yes. it is and sometimes it's a lot more apparent for us you'll get to day two or day three of an event which, which is in a lot of cases is already day three or day four for a vendor and you'll have that guy that's just sitting there staring off into the distance and you're trying to get his attention and he's just looking right past you he's basically asleep with his eyes open at that point 
or yeah. the vendor that's just you know shoveling some kind of uh, energy bar into their face because it's the only time they get to eat is when everybody's walked away from the booth and you just catch them like a squirrel, just like going at it. Like these are things that we catch flack for as vendors that people don't understand comes part and parcel of this job. And there's more to it than just being at the booth and having to eat, you know, because yeah. that's the time we get. It's we're there to serve. And these are the only times we get. So it's a lot more public in that sense than somebody in the service industry, you know, a, a, wa a waiter, a waitress, or a busser, where they can remove themselves for a little bit. We're there. We don't they have, have that ability. This area that they can go to and just chill. And yeah, we don't. You know, we're we're out there with everything, and not to mention, you know, like you miss your wife, you miss your kids, and mm -hmm. it's n it's not always as easy as just like, well, they're obviously more important. Like, yeah, they're obviously more important, but so's, you know, the job. Yes. So there are moments where it wears on you because, like, I, uh, one of my coworkers at one of the companies I work for, uh, he will regularly get FaceTime, like, in the middle of the day, just with his wife and kid. And it's one of the most heartbreaking things because he's just like, I just want to be home mm -hmm. because, you know, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it is, you know, you are kind of forced to do things to succeed in the player side and the vendor side, as far as like the lack of sleep goes, uh, mm -hmm. the lack of self care. And it's just something that, you know, I prior, I held that event to benefit NAMI and there's going to be another event coming up soon because I think it's important that as an industry, uh, we all strive to take better self care, you know, of ourselves and try to obviously help others take care of themselves as well. Mm -hmm. Just by, even being mindful or being like, yo, man, like you, you need to sit down, go sit down, like take your 30 minutes, whatever we'll cover. You'll hit me back later on it. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I, yeah. That's, that's one of the big things that I think is missed very often. Um, you know, and like you said, day three of the GP, maybe day four or five. Yeah. Vendor, because we, we start prep for a GP the Friday prior to the GP. Yeah, getting and, our orders together from the site, whatever you're pulling, right? Yeah, and then like going through our inventory and pulling singles to bring, mm -hmm. and it's you still have all your daily workload to go with it. So you know, I make the joke of living the dream whenever someone asks how I'm doing. You know, oh, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's a great movie, but uh, you know, it, it's it's wearing on you, and I I think I at least try to be mindful of it when dealing with customers that like. I don't know what they're going through and you know everybody like you said gets that thousand yard stare at some point yeah absolutely and, and i don't want to say we're under over or just appreciated as vendors this is like i like we keep saying this is just something that people don't really get a handle on and that magic fest as a whole are stressors for everybody even as a judge just doing paper i was there hours before the players and the only reason, the only thing that made up for that was I got to leave after the last round of my GP was done because there was no more paper to hang. Yeah, I, I also would like to go on record as saying that, frankly, I think judges have it worse than anyone because they're effectively volunteers for the weekend. Yeah. On how much they're compensated. Granted, that may, you know, I, change based on what the future holds. Who knows? Yeah. But, uh, but as of right now, like, uh, they they're on a volunteer system. <laughs> yeah, 
No, and I think it's important just to understand that everybody at the GP or Magic Fest, whatever, is in the in the same boat. It, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're at that event to be involved in Magic, you're all under the same stressors or similar but different stressors. You know, it's mentally taxing on players to play day one and day two of an event, and yeah, you're just you're going to get short with people at the end, or you'll just be mentally and physically exhausted. And the same thing goes for vendors. It's a lot of interaction with a lot of different people about a lot of different things, uh, math, all the time. Even though it's simple and repetitious, it just wears on you. And at the end, you're in the same place that the players are. And the judge staff has similar stressors. It's just constant interaction. And yeah. I don't think all three of these groups appreciate each other enough and how it impacts the an overall Magic Fest. Yeah. I, I think one of the most telling things is th- literally the best experience or interaction I ever had with someone shopping at a booth was them literally saying like, hey, man, you're doing a good job. Like I was just there mm-hmm. I, with the stare going and he was like, dude, you're doing all right. And it was one of those like mind blowing moments of like, hey, thanks. That like, unironically, legitimately, that means a lot. Yeah. Like, even if you were just being sarcastic and even, you know, I think another important thing is just not just saying, hey, you're doing a great job, but being able to say, look, I need a break. Yeah. I need something, even if it's go up to a judge and say, hey, I just need someone to talk to, go to a vendor, go to a player, whatever. Yeah. Because you know when, like, you'll need that. And it's good to be able to take that moment to say, you know what? This is, this is how it is. Yeah. I, this, I'm going to take a break. I think that's important to note. Like, I'm not the kind of person that just wanders off from the booth, but I definitely take advantage of the time it takes me to go from my booth to the bathroom and back. And I will, weave around as necessary to talk to people to keep myself mentally fresh and remove myself from the repetition that is for the most part greeting everybody that walks up to the booth knowing that nobody's going to purchase anything and then move on to the net you know go down yeah i mean i i don't know how many times we walked by each other's booth at vegas but it was a lot because that's just what what you do and that's why Yeah, yeah you know you could walk the entire length of the room or like one third of the room and walking the entire length of the room was just a much better option. Yeah. This is significantly. Uh, and it's, you know, that's, I, I also, I see players, like you said, being appreciative of like what other people are going through. I've seen tons of players with that stare by the end of the weekend. They're just like gone. Oh yeah. No, you know where they are or whatever. Um, and I, I think that, you know, it is important to be able to take that, you know what, my round's over early, I'm just going to sit here for a second. Yeah. I don't have to find my friends immediately. I can just pause and be. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, especially in our industry, I don't think that positive mental health care uh, on any of the three sides, judge, player, vendor, whatever, is given as much attention as it deserves, which is kind of, you know, why we decided to cover this because especially on the vendor side, not that, I mean, I don't know how many vendors listen to this, but more vendors should take proper care of themselves for sure. A hundred percent. Like 
I think I mentioned before that I always would rather do an anime show or a convention of some sort than a magic fest. And it is 100% because I get to take better care of myself at those events. Generally yeah. speaking, at a magic fest, uh, aside from... I need to yeah. be up about two hours earlier before the players need to be in the room. And Friday is the only day where I get to not be in the room by like 8 a.m. I think it's 9 on Friday because the hall opens an hour later. So that means we're winding down at the Magic Fest somewhere around 7 to 9 p.m. depending on what type of event it is. Because if it's something like sealed in a slow format, then we're there later. Or if it's modern, etc., we're going to be there later. You know, you take an hour or two to go to eat dinner and then come back from. You're not looking at more than another six or seven hours worth of sleep if you're lucky on top of the mentally taxing days that you have. But at an anime convention, those generally start or um, any other type of shows like that around 10 and you're done by 5 or 6 p.m. Yeah. Like. I've gotten in, I don't know, three to four games of EDH after dinner sometimes, and it's still not even 11 p.m. And those, mm. those shows are beautiful because I, I just feel so much better mentally and physically at those compared to Magic Fest. It took me a really long time to get into the 13-hour days of, like, Innistrad-era uh, GPs where we didn't – where we always had – yeah, no matter what, you had the extra round, and for whatever reason, you were there an hour earlier, uh, either on Friday or on Saturday, because those were when uh, judge conferences were at GPs. Yeah. So the timings were fucking weird. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it's interesting because you know, like you said you get a little bit more time. I remember Dragon Con, for oh. example, guaranteed six o'clock. You're done. Yeah. You know, I this this past weekend at Columbus, uh, I think Saturday I went out to dinner, uh, actually with a viewer listener of the cast, Zach. Thanks for, you know, hanging out and some other people. And one of the vendors was like, "Hey, I'll be there at ten o'clock." Or he said, "I'll leave hopefully around nine. Mm-hmm. At ten o'clock, he sent me a message and said, "I'm just going to put a sleeping bag down because we still aren't packing up." Wow. And they'd been there since eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Doing that on Friday night to me has led me into some very bad weekends, especially when it's Friday night. If it's Saturday night, that's doable because generally speaking, uh, I'm packed up and or out by the time the top eight starts for uh, most Magic Fest, unless there's infinite side events going like there were in, um, not Madison, in Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. Um, Yeah, where they had the infinite side events all weekend. Yeah. I can do a long Saturday, like a 13-hour Saturday into a short day Sunday. That, like, now that I'm flying home on Monday because my job finally allows me to. Yeah. But when I had to fly out on Sunday, those weekends were terrible. Doing a long, long long night on Saturday. Yeah. But a long night on Friday means you're going to have an even longer day on Saturday because mm. there are so many people in the room on Friday for the the last chance events that you can expect a huge room on Saturday, which means people will be there until well after the last round finishes and the judges are like brooming you out of the room. Yeah, uh, that actually happened at GPKC this year. Um, the vendor I was with, we were kicked out by Mashi from Channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he literally turned the lights out in the hall and said, you guys have to go. 
you know, it's it's interesting to see, you know, that that does happen because legitimately there are times where there is business to be done. And I think that's the worst part. It's also the best because it can lead to good weekends. But like you go in, you don't know. You may have a thirty thousand dollar buy come up at nine o'clock when you're planning to leave. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you're there till eleven doing the buy, you're not going to say no because you you can't. It's not like. You know, working at Target where you're like, all right, well, we close at 10, no ifs, ands, or buts. Mm-hmm. They they may close the hall, but if you're in the middle of the buy, they're going to follow, you know, hey, pack the stuff up if you don't mind. Do you want to follow us to the hotel? We'll figure it all out there. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there have been times where I have done, you know, after a time at a booth, a literal floor trade where we just go outside in the hallway and we're like, all right, well, let's get this buy finalized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we're we have time in this hallway on this floor and it's just incredible to see, you know, how, how that works because you don't get to take the time because the job literally won't let you sometimes. Yeah. And I, I think that links back to the fact that nobody, none of these three groups understands the stressors of the others well enough to accommodate. Yeah. And this isn't, an issue for vendors that really leads to finance in one way or another. All your pricing is done ahead of time. You've pulled all your singles for the event. You're there buying. You have your buy lists. They're pretty much set in stone unless you're one of the handful of companies that live updates buy lists over the weekends. It doesn't really impact finance. It really impacts the human-to-human interaction, which can impact finance because if you walk up to somebody, like I said, who's just got that thousand-yard stare or somebody who's just short with you, from, uh, as a vendor, you're going to pass, and then that's bad for the both of you because you weren't able to sell your cards; they weren't able to buy them. Yeah. This is just, and everybody needs to care for themselves, kind of issue. Yeah, and be mindful and respectful of others. And it's you know, I I like to pride myself personally, and all of the companies I work for do as well, on like giving a positive guest experience and having good customer service. And I think part of that is mm-hmm. like you. Even, you know, as a player giving good customer service, as a judge, as a vendor, just try to be mindful of like, hey, you know, I'm I'm dealing with this uh, and I, you know, these other people probably are, too. And just trying to have a little bit of empathy for that, because uh, you may be up till 3 a.m. trying to figure out your 14th and 15th sideboard card. Yeah. And we may be up until, you know, 3 or 4 a.m. pricing for the next day because we heard that all of a sudden mono black devotion was the hot deck after day one so now we want to bump the prices up on everything so yep that has happened on more than one occasion or you've just bought the deck off a number of people they sold it to you because they were done with it on friday or saturday they had a bad time but you know you can flip it so you have to price it that evening that happens a lot yeah more often than i want to admit every show (laughs) yes (laughs) where where I'm somewhere that does on-site processing every single show. Yep. Or, uh, or like I said, you just know you can flip it, so you're going to make, you know, you might make 85% on that card compared to what you sold it for on the website, but what you spent on it versus your margin, you're going to come out ahead, so it means you can buy more. Like, Yeah. Like, cash in here now versus going home processing cash later. Exactly. You, you know, it, it's... Uh, it's an interesting life we lead, and I guess a lot of people wanted to kind of keep it quiet because 
you feel like a burden as a vendor or people might not want to interact with you if you were to to be vocal about it and regardless again of which group you're in it's just a stigma we're here for each other we're at these events so that we all can have a good time and these events can happen so everybody can enjoy themselves and there's, yeah. there's no shame in having to tap out at any point in time because you just can't take the stressors anymore because you're just exhausted yeah i mean that's perfectly acceptable i you know there is such a bad stigma about it mm -hmm. that, you know i consider myself fortunate because throughout my life i've been able to be fairly open about what uh what's going on with my mental health and i think that that's you know like you've said there's this element of like i want to hide it yeah because you don't want to appear like that guy is a vendor or that guy is a player or you know i especially uh i forget who it was that basically ousted jerry uh, about oh, yeah. the shadow and why why that happened and jerry's response was beautiful he was like look yeah that's absolutely what happened but like it's not it's not on you to air my dirty laundry basically mm -hmm. like you you can't say this because you know there is that stigma about hey i'm suffering and I think that part of what we can do, like both as vendors, as judges, as players, is just try to be honest about that stuff and just like, hey, here's what I'm dealing with. I'm going to take a break. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a few high level pros that recently have been like, hey, I don't, you know, I, I don't feel this anymore. It's not for me. I've got stress going on, whatever. I'm going to take a break. And yeah. I think it's important that people are honest about that with themselves and other people. Absolutely. And I, I guess the last point that I want to make before we head into picks is that it's out of you know the, the three types of people we've been talking about, players, judges, and vendors, the lifestyle of each at a tournament is virtually the same, where you're always looking to find a hotel that is reasonably close at as yep. cheap a price as you can get to help save money because you're piling you know, a staff of anywhere from three to six into your booth. So that means you're going to need anywhere from two, so, uh, one to three rooms. And you will have people up on the floor. You might wind up in a seedy neighborhood. You might have to Uber to the event hall every day. But at the end of the day, outside of your tournament duties, we're all living the same life. I know there are a lot of people that kind of, uh, aggrandize the vendor lifestyle or they think they could uh, ascribe to it by backpacking because it's some beautiful lifestyle and it's not you know I, no. <laughs> I at the end of one GP Toronto we got a an addition another hotel room because uh, we'd only picked one up to Saturday night because the pricing was different on site than it was online we actually got our Sunday hotel cheaper and I got four hours of sleep on the floor before I had to be on my plane uh, at Worcester one year, I was crashing on the floor with uh, with a different vendor because the hotel was booked by the time I got word that I was working the event. And the hotel staff actually made my bed on the floor. Like they folded the sheets and like dressed down my little nest on the floor. Like they... That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and this is stuff that everybody's been everybody's been through and everybody's had to deal with this. And everybody's tournament struggles like mentally and physically are the same and as a community it's up to us to treat each other like humans and like we all live under the same human conditions we're we're all dealing with the same struggles here yeah 
Agreed. Uh, and like you said, I think it's just important. We just try to be mindful of that. Yeah. But with that, I think we're good to move on to picks. If you are, or I am. Yes. Let's get it get it rolling. All right. So um, this is actually picks from two weeks ago because we had to push off uh, our previous episode. But yeah. you're getting some picks that could have been affected by the secret layer, hidden layer, whatever was announcement that thankfully weren't. Yes. Uh, my pick is uh, Fae of Wishes slash Granted. Uh, this is a card that I've actually had the ability to play in Standard and felt extremely strong even in an Oko-based environment out of uh, an, an Is It deck or now Teamer deck, which I believe the Teamer rec deck ran this. And it's, a, it's an incredibly powerful card that is un, that is underappreciated and underrepresented and as we're just shifting out of the Oko metagame. The price is fairly stable at uh, about 75 ish sense which i think is well underpriced for a, an extremely versatile card that allows you to just continue wishing for cards out of your sideboard we haven't seen a jeskai control list we haven't seen a a, a good blue white control list and the fires decks are what people expect to see a lot of uh, in the upcoming months as we move through standard and this is a card that allows you to just wish through your board to either find your win con or redundant pieces of what you're doing with the Golgari Adventures deck coming up and thrashing Brontodon and Assassin's Trophies in the main. This card allows you to dig through your sideboard for either uh, uh, redundant pieces because they have been removed or additional win cons that are stickier than what green black can deal with. And I also want to note that I'm talking specifically about the set non-foil version of this card. The showcase has held a fairly decent value this entire way through. It's a little much to get into. The set foil itself is about $2 and also fairly flat. And if this uh, card picks up as a wish, I imagine that the actual price in this will be about $3. So you'll be able to get out and buy a list ahead. And the foil should be north of 5 maybe 8 at the top end if this doesn't kind of like take over. And... This as being an Eldraine that gives it, uh, is it a 12 or 18 month life cycle? Uh, I think 12 left, I think. Okay. Yeah, 12. Yeah, 12. All right. So for 73 cents, 75 cents on TCG player, this, this to me seems like a slam dunk. It's basically a bulk buy, uh, both in quantity and price. And it's something that I expect to come up in the, the midterm. It, it's not going to be a long-term hold. It's going to be a mid-term hold as we move through uh, the actual standard metagame and see real decks for once, now that we won't just have elves, uh, elks floating around. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really solid pick. I've been gradually picking up the storybook versions myself. Yep. Uh, it's it, Foils are in a really weird spot right now for set foils because of being one in every three packs now. So, like you said, I think the foil multiplier is not particularly high mm -hmm. on it, but I think it's a fine pickup either way at like 25 to 75 cents. Yeah. You know, as this stuff, like this type of effect becomes more common, eventually they're just going to have to allow it in EDH. Yeah, like they, they keep printing with, like there are house rules or there were house rules for wishes. I was yeah. talking to somebody about this. I'm pretty sure the, the rule used to be 
you could use the wishes, but you had to have a sideboard set aside already, and it was like either 10 or 20 cards. I can't remember what. Usually 10 is what it's been like here in St. Louis when people have had events. Yeah. And I think that eventually the rules committee will be forced to acknowledge like, hey, yeah, this this is a thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets one, and this is how it's going to work. Yeah. Uh, I do want to make a point of order about the the foils. Right now, Card Kingdom is not buying the actual foils. They're buying the showcase foil, of course, but the promo pack and the promotional version of the foil, meaning the pre-read foil, have basically pushed that card off of buy lists. So this is also something new, a brand new paradigm that we're seeing. Uh, The promo pack's not so much. They've been around since, what was it, Core 20? Yeah, so they've been around. But we have the promo pack, we have the pre-release, and we have the showcase cards all in foil now pushing down the fourth version, which is the set foil. There is a chance yeah. that that card craters the set foil, and if it does, then that's when I would scoop those. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, and I think it's, and it is something, that this is worth mentioning, that we've seen with a couple of foils already, um, specifically in like the rare slots, where the foil crater is awful. I mean, there was a while where Foil Oka was only $5 more than non-foil. Yeah. Buy list and retail. So if it, if it affects something at that level of playability and power level, you better believe it's going to affect stuff at lower playability and power level. Yes, yes. I, I think that's worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. So, uh, moving on to your oh, pick? Yep, my pick. I have chosen the one and only Brimaz. Mm-hmm. So the reason I've picked this was because cats are always a popular tribe. And then I heard about the kitty pack, and I was like, well, obviously they're going to print Brimaz, because that's the only thing worth a damn. And then I realized I had faith in Wizards of the Coast to do anything right. So I mean, everything worked out. They did put one general in there, but it's the uh, the commander oh, general. Yeah, and, and Miri. Oh, um, yeah, that's right, that's right. But... I like this pick for a few reasons. Uh, one, it is an incredibly efficient, aggressive card mm-hmm. that is still in Pioneer. Yes. It is too white devotion if that ever becomes relevant, which it may. Uh, we're also returning to Theros, and I expect some type of synergy with old Theros cards in new Theros because they clearly, at the point they were designing this stuff, and clearly at the point that they were designing Modern Horizons, knew they were going to release this new format mm-hmm. where this would be something that they would have to worry about. Yes. So I think it makes sense that this will be the type of card that, even if it's because of the kitty pack, because cats always spike when other cats come out, Yep. even if it's because of Theros, particularly in the short term, I think about, you know, seven, six, seven dollars for this card is fine. It's also a card which has currently a 3x multiplier on foils. Yeah. uh, is pretty absurd for something like that. Now, the reason that's relevant is because if we do see a reprint of this card, I think it's most likely going to be in a commander set. And that means we won't get foils. Yeah. Because I can't believe that Theros is going to be chock full of reprints that aren't temples or like banishing light or something you know mm-hmm. so i think that short to midterm this is a really good pickup it's also something that i feel like has very low visibility right now mm-hmm. because abzan isn't a thing in modern anymore so 
there's no chance you're running into this card at FNM and being like, oh, I remember that card. Yep. And it's an easy pickup at about $6 out of trade binders, maybe even as low as 5 mm-hmm. So I, I just think it's worth picking up for that because, you know, we've got tribal hype coming up. We've got set hype coming up. And we've got a format with bans happening every week, and this is a safe card to not get banned. So. Yeah. Uh, I like this because it went... Uh, I thought it came out of the sideboards of the Heroic decks in Standard, and I was pretty sure I've seen it in Modern or Legacy at one point in a similar slot, just because it's a, it's a sticky threat, and as soon as you get to untap with it, it's just going to kind of balloon and, and make the game difficult for your opponent. But it, it seems like while people have been playing green-white aggro or green-white heroic in uh, Pioneer, they're sticking even lower to the ground with the cards that trigger uh, to make tokens with heroic. So it seems like it's just uh, an archetype in its nascency. So yeah. once people get around to actually experimenting with the deck more, now that Pioneer's kind of settled in and we haven't had bans for two weeks and people can refocus, we might see this card begin to pop in that deck or uh, if blue-white heroic comes back around, if there's enough, or red-white, whatever you want to do with it. Even in an exert-style deck, I think this works. The, the cat tokens are white, right? Yeah, white. Yeah. So that also yeah. works into like Conclave Tribunal, where yep. you can start convoking uh, a lot of your white spells that way. And it's, it's a, a, a multi-avenue threat. Yeah. It, it's just it's a solid card. It, it is also a decent mono white commander, though I don't think it has much representation. Not currently, no. Uh, I mono white is still mostly in the realm of like Isamaru, the occasional Elish Norn. Yeah, stuff. under, jeez, two percent. Wow, that is low. Well, point zero two technically. Yeah. 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 I, I like this card definitely as a pickup for your play sets. I don't know if this is something that I would target myself just because I don't know what the timeline on it is. It seems a little difficult to suss out. But at worst, owning your playset is not going to be hurtful in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that, like, if this is your play style pick it up now because if you wait until it pops you're going to be paying twice as much yes yeah exactly exactly and i, I that's the way uh that, that's the way i view it so it's interesting to hear that uh you're so much more on board with this than i am yeah i i just think that you know i again like on mythics i usually if they're like in the five to six dollar range i don't want to go more than like 10 deep just yeah. because liquidity or 12 for three sets um but yeah, I, I think this is a solid pickup for sure right now because I think it's only like, and Pioneer especially, like you said, those lists are in their nascency. And once we start getting it fleshed out, we'll see strategies like this start to develop and explore their build boxes more. Oh, yeah, and I think absolutely. when you see this card pop. Yeah, I, and that, that I, I totally agree with. So it's awesome. But all right, guys, I think that's going to be it for this week. Uh, we'll get this pot up as soon as possible there might be a video that goes along with it if i can throw up some stills once i get back yeah. from holiday i'll see what i can do about that otherwise it'll at least go up on youtube so you can listen to it there 
Uh, we will be putting out a poll now that we know what's in uh, layer within our Discord to try and get an idea of what everybody would be interested in in regards to giveaways. And that should be there either towards the end of this week or beginning of next as we suss things out. But as always, you can catch us on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on YouTube. We are still open for our UMA giveaway. So as soon as we click over to 100 patrons, we're going to freeze it and raffle that off. But yep. in the meantime, have a good week. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.